Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Redemption Meditations. I'm Lee, joined as always by Steve and Dana. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hey, Lee. And so we are uh, we're continuing our our walk through various important uh, and dare I say foundational uh, doctrinal topics and uh, sort of in line with our, our recent discussion on liturgy. Um, what, uh, what do we think about the Lord's Supper? What's the deal with that thing? <laughs> what's uh, up with that? So... <laughs> this bread and this wine, what's up with that? So why do we do it? Is that your question? What, what, what's, uh, so where do we start, I guess? I guess the... just starting just in a general way and i don't know either one of you whoever wants to go first um how would you define what the lord's supper is and then may maybe also as well why we call it the lord's supper uh, and or communion rather than the eucharist maybe that'll be a, a direction okay so so itself um so we believe that it is a command of the lord right so uh paul in first corinthians chapter 11 um instructs the church and it's pretty clear from the context that the church is already doing something that they're calling the lord's supper or communion they're they're um he's in fact he says he's correcting them they're doing it wrong um there are some there who are overindulging so it, it apparently is potluck i would guess they're bringing their own they really are bad in... weren't they <laughs> that's right <laughs> they're bringing their own bread and wine and um uh and as such they're not sharing with others um so there are some who are who have nothing and um for whatever reason i don't know if it's poverty or just they they don't know I, you know why they don't it doesn't really say why they don't um uh but they're using it as a, a full meal as well because at the end paul says eat at home that's not the point um but but they're coming together so the church is coming together and he says when you come together it's not the lord's supper that you're eating um and so then he instructs them and and it, at its most uh and maybe this will get us in this, into a head in a direction here in its most basic level um it is a he says paul says that jesus said do this in remembrance of me and so twice both for the cup and for the um bread or bread and then cup and then um at the end he says uh for as often as you bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so at least it is a um a remembrance of christ's work on the cross i would argue it's more than that but it's at least that yeah i would agree with that i think that a, a word that probably most of the people listening to this are, are more familiar with is communion and i think it's a word that's helpful because we're we're doing a couple of things when we participate in the in the lord's supper we are remembering and that's right there in that chapter in first Corinthians, he's saying, do this in remembrance of me. So that is, it is definitely that, but I think it's, yeah. it's more than that. It, he also says in there, um, we're proclaiming 
We're proclaiming what Christ has done for his people. We're celebrating it because if we understand what we're remembering and proclaiming, it's a pretty big deal and worth celebrating. And then finally, we get back to that word communion. And I think that's a really helpful word because we're doing that in a couple ways. It's one one way is we're, we're communing together as believers. And, and Paul just gets all after the Corinthians because they're totally doing that wrong. They're not communing together. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really, it's just that, you know, everybody is on their own. And so they're messing that up. He's correcting that. So as believers, we're communing together. And then probably more significantly, we're communing with the Lord. We're communing with Christ. We're remembering what he's done for us and, and celebrating and recognizing it. And we're, we're partaking of, of the bread and the wine or juice or whatever it is we're partaking. But the, the purpose of that is to commune and draw near to Christ. And he's going to commune with us. He's, he, he's saying, do this and not like leaving. You know, he, he's mm -hmm. saying, and, and I will commune with you when you commune with me there by the, by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Great explanations. Thank you both very much. Uh, I want to connect with one quick thing, especially with what you just said, Steve. You used a very uh, important word uh, in the course of, of your definition, and it was the word celebrate or, or celebration. Um, for a lot of Christian history, um, the Lord's Supper or, or communion has gone by the, the name the Eucharist, um, which isn't a title – uh, that I have recognized us using at RBC. Um, is there a particular reason that um, that we would not want to use that that word for this ordinance? Um, and and if there is a reason, you know, what what is the purpose for not for leaning towards certain nomenclature regarding the supper and away from other nomenclature? If if that makes sense. Well, the, the word Eucharist is a very, in my way of understanding it, and maybe you guys see it differently, but when I hear that word, that to me is a very Catholic word, Roman Catholic word. Thank you. It triggers him. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and, and if we're talking about communion or the Lord's Supper, we're doing very different things. Uh, us at RBC and, and yeah. pretty much all the Protestants are doing something very different than what uh, Roman Catholicism is doing. Their mm -hmm. understanding and and perception of what's happening is pretty wi pretty wild, but pretty mm -hmm. wildly different mm -hmm. than than our understanding. There, uh, I guess we'll jump into this. We'll, we'll go ahead and jump into this. It, it, it's there's a lot more to it than this, but just to touch the sur just to kiss the surface of this, the, the Roman Catholic church believes in something ten dollar word transubstantiation okay trans what transubstantiation <laughs> yes and i am not by any means an, an expert on this but um essentially the gist of this for our listeners is basically that a miracle happens with the actual bread and wine and it becomes substantively different it changes from being just bread and wine into the body and, and blood of Christ. There's a miracle there. 
and and not just and so that's essentially what's behind that fancy word they they would also say that they're also making a sacri- an actual sacrifice that's achieving a satisfying of god's mm-hmm. wrath and setting that aside right. something more along the lines of what we see in the old testament right and it's exactly the kind of thing that the writer of hebrews says yeah we don't do that anymore <laughs> so so in hebrews chapter 10 that thing we don't yeah, do that anymore he, he's, it's very clear i mean you don't have to be a bible scholar and i'm not one but it's pretty clear on its on its face that the the purpose of what the the author of hebrews is writing is to say that sort of thing the way we used to do it and the way that it was still going on in those days it the sacrifice that Jesus made once for all takes care of all that. Mm-hmm. So all the butchering of animals and all of that, that we're going to do here on a Tuesday, guess what we get to do on Wednesday? We get to start <laughs> all over again. So part of the good news is that once for all, a, a sacrifice has been made in Christ. We don't have to do that anymore. And it's really there's a finality to it that there never was under that mosaic uh, sacrificial system. You were never going to be done with it. Well, now it's done. Mm-hmm. And our, our Roman Catholic friends would not agree <laughs> with what I, what yeah. I just explained there. They would yeah. differ in, in their yeah, understanding. There, there's a, there's an element of um, uh, when, when we take communion uh, there's an element of there's a there's an element of um, a gospel assurance, right? It is finished. That's what like he has. We're looking it, it um, the in the Lord's Supper. We're looking at something that happened in history, right? Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again um, for our sins according to the scriptures. And so, so that's where the remembrance part comes in. It it is looking back at something that has definitively happened in history whereas uh the the roman catholic view is something that also is continuing to happen like every every time they do a mass right every time mm-hmm. they get together it's it's another uh that's why like even so there there are there are elements of um catholicism that are we have in common so there's certain words and phrases that we use and symbols that we use that we have in common with Roman Catholicism, because we have a common history, right? Pre Reformation, there was you know there was only random offshoots of the church, um, but it was really everybody was under uh, the authority of Rome, and um, so, so so like in in the Mass, you know they have the the crucifix, for example, and Protestants typically do not have a cruce they do not have jesus still on the cross right because we are proclaiming that he is risen he's not there he was there um you know two thousand years ago he he did go to the cross but he came down and and also came out of the grave and so we don't that's one of the reasons why we don't have him on the cross now that that is not to say that any um idea and i want to be careful here because we could get into second commandment violations too um, but a, a crucifix itself isn't necessarily sinful just in and itself. Now, it, again, I, I don't want to. It, it could be an that's image. That's a whole other episode. episode. <laughs> right, yeah. that's a whole other thing. We'll but, save that. Um, 
but but the idea of a reminder of a of, you know sometimes there are some that are not really images they're more like you can kind of tell that it's that you know abstract um that's not a bad thing in and of itself but but where it's lacking is that the emphasis is on um the crucifixion over and over and over again so mm -hmm. in catholicism there's no completion there's no it is finished there's no assurance at all in fact you can take communion and um and be like luther who who said when he when he climbed the stairs in rome you know like who knows if it's so right who, yeah who knows yeah. whereas There's for no us we are proclaiming christ has died for our sins and that we are waiting for his return and and, and even so to go to that like the the shared history um the word eucharist itself um it, it's a Greek, it comes from a Greek word that means thanksgiving, which is, which is in the text, right? And, and uh, um, Jesus gives thanks um, for the bread, and, and um, uh, we are called to, to be thankful for Christ's work. And so um, it, just the word is not a bad word. Um, it's just a, um, it has such baggage attached to it. Yeah. Uh, because that is this it, it, because it's the centerpiece of Roman Catholic worship as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas we would say the preaching is, yeah. they would say that the altar and the the the, the uh, Eucharist is the centerpiece of their worship. Um, and so we we're just we just don't use the word just because we're trying to avoid that kind of baggage. Yeah, there's a lot of associations with that word. Because both both Rome and Constantinople, uh, because it's it will never be Istanbul. Um, <laughs> Istanbul, not Constantinople. No, both Rome and Constantinople call it the the Holy Eucharist, um, but they also both have all of that baggage that um, uh, those Aristotelian categories associated with transubstantiation and um, grace being conveyed through a physical object. Um, and I want to talk, uh, you know, at some point here about the effect that the, the supper does have. Um, <clears throat> but they, in their, in their way, um, the effect for them is, is a physical one being, uh, an effect made upon physical elements, bread changing into flesh, yeah. wine changing into blood. And that's, that's just not something that we're about because we're about scripture and that's a, not a scriptural category in any way, shape or form. So, um, well, so kind of to piggyback on that a little bit, um, there are lots of different views of the Lord's supper, uh, within just within the Protestant world. Um, there are three, uh, so, and, and I don't know, maybe if one of you want to run down the three of those, uh, or maybe just to say um, what view we take. I don't know which which would be uh, which would be easiest and most effective. But of of the views, what's the view of the Lord's Supper that we take at RBC and and why? So one of the things that's important to remember too when we start talking about this is that um, the debate over the supper has gone on since the Reformation. Uh, like even the actual reformers themselves, um, particularly Luther and Zwingli, um, did not agree, and actually, and and Calvin didn't agree with either of them, mm -hmm. and so um, uh, 
there it, like these three views have roots all the way back to the beginnings you know the the 1500s so uh, and probably actually even further than that but at least at least in the 1500s and so we have to be gracious to people um you know knowing that th this is not something that's just easily sorted out you know, one, one podcast, we're not going to do it. If mm -hmm. Lutherans really couldn't do it. <laughs> it's not going to be gonna resolved at the end of this? <laughs> well, we're just... <laughs> what? That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the Lord's coming back soon. The, the signs... So, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So, so the three views, there's the memorial view. We've kind of already touched on that, that it is a, sometimes it's called mere memorial, that that's all it is, um, is a looking back on. Um, that's, it has to be at least that. Um, uh, then there's the, um, I guess it would be the, the Lutheran view. This is probably the, the second one that you were thinking of, Lee, when you said three. Um, sometimes it's called consubstantiation as opposed to the roman yeah. catholic which is transubstantiation i don't think lutherans like to call it that they um, don't call it that no they call it the real presence right is that the term they use real presence um they, they would probably use yeah. that so so essentially that the the um bread and cup the juice the, the wine whatever um becomes the subs uh be, that Christ is in and under the elements and, and it, with it kind of spiritually and with, and it's spiritually present in the elements. Um, it's not that far off from the Catholic view. Um, it, it's especially in this day and age, what the Catholics actually believe uh, <laughs> versus what the church teaches. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, then there's the, um, uh, I don't know what the name of our view is. The the, the spiritual right presence, spiritual presence, the right view. The, the the yeah, the reformed view. Kind of more comes from the Cal, John Calvin's teaching uh, through the Reformation, and and that's the the spiritual um, aspect of it that that Christ feeds us spiritually as we are obedient and and as we eat and drink and proclaim His death. That it is it it. And actually, I think a good way to look at it is um, that the Lord's Supper is, um, it's not just looking in the past, it's actually past, present, and future. Um, in Matthew, when, when Jesus is establishing, I think it's in Matthew 26, when Jesus is establishing, they're at the Last Supper, and he's establishing the, um, the, the ordinance there, um, he, he anticipates eating with them again in glory. Um, and actually says that he's going to fast from drinking wine until mm -hmm. then, which is, mm -hmm. that's kind of a, kind of a kind random of and great thing. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of a strange thing to think about, but, um, but he is. And so, so there's a looking forward to um, glory, right? When we are able to, to sit at the marriage supper of the lamb and with our savior face to face and he finally lifts it you know lifts a glass and toast or however he's going to do it and um and and we rejoice in that um so there's there's a future and then there's also a present of of um you know christ is working right now he is he is enabling us and um feeding us spiritually right now and, and this is why at rbc why it's it's pretty deeply connected to the sermon 
because it's pretty deeply connected to hearing from God's word. He has fed us spiritually, and, and here's another way that he is like sealing us. It's also a sign of the covenant. Here's another way that he is um, uh, he's renewing his covenant promises. He has said this. He's going to do this. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, I got into a little bit of the, it's a covenant meal as well, um, which is a, that that uh, uh, reestablishing of, of the new covenant. I had, I found a quote um, by our boy, Richard Barcelos. Yeah. Um, Richard Barcelona, we call him. <laughs> um, he says, the Bible teaches that one of the means instituted by Christ to bring grace from heaven to elect and gospel-believing souls on earth is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a soul-changing, soul-altering, spiritually nur nurturing ordinance as blessed by the Spirit of God to that end. Soul-changing, soul-altering, spiritually nurturing, blessed by the Spirit of God. It's like Barcelona knows what he's talking about. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't have anything to add to that. Anything, Steve, on that on that point? Yeah, well, I think one of the, the questions you brought up is, you know, what is what is or what should be the effect of the of the Lord's Supper and the one thing I'll just touch on briefly here is that this is a very tangible, you know, on we, we can stand up and, and read the scriptures, we can preach and people hear that and hopefully understand that. And that can really be, uh, God can use that in a powerful way, but this is something a little bit different where somebody's going to hold the bread in their hands, hold the cup in their hands, or they're, they're physically going to consume this and, what we hope and pray for the believer doing that, and it should only be a believer doing that, is that it's also a very physical uh, reassurance that there is therefore now no condemnation, that, that, that God's, the, the man God Jesus Christ shed his actual blood in order to pay for your sins and now your sins are washed away truly we don't have to sacrifice a bull tomorrow right mm -hmm. they are truly washed clean and, and yeah. so that's one of the things we want to do for uh the folks in the room who are uh truly converted uh believers we want to when we wrap this whole thing up and we send them out the door that we send them out with some assurance that, that you know, God's not going to shed his blood for, well, maybe, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see, you know, that's not how it works. It is <laughs> final. It is certain. Be assured that you are truly forgiven. Yeah. And, and I, I think that is right up there with anything that you want to uh, accomplish in, in doing this each week. Yeah. Which the reminder. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking the the reminder aspect of the Lord's Supper is is super important. So so and as you've mm -hmm. already said, Dana, you know we already recognize this is a, a means of grace where our souls are being nourished, uh, even as we eat a, a small piece of bread and drink a very small amount of grape juice. <clears throat> but we're acknowledging that that we feed on Christ. Uh, th there's a particular spiritual nourishment that is happening 
simultaneously uh, as we as we eat this physical thing. But there's that really important reminder aspect. And I think this is where part of the celebration aspect of the Lord's Supper should come in because we're being reminded, like you said, Steve, in a very tangible way, in a way that we can that we can touch and taste um, that Christ has done tremendous work on our behalf uh, in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Uh, all of that is is in play uh, in the course of the supper. Um, and so within a, a very short span of time, something incredibly significant is being communicated. Uh, a reminder of what Christ has done uh, for us in his finished work um, and that he continues to do as our mediator as well. Um, and so in going to prepare a place for us, looking forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, you know, we're, we're anticipating the fulfillment of the, the great and final fulfillment of this ordinance feasting literally in, in the manifest physical presence of our God for eternity too. Um, so I, I always like to, I always like to, uh, uh, mention the celebration because a lot of churches do treat when they do take communion and, and we can talk about this too. Um, but when they do take communion, which isn't very often, it turns into a very somber, uh, almost dirge like, uh, ritual. Um, and, and I'm not convinced element, that's correct entirely. Yeah. I mean, there's elements to it that, that should be right. Like, it was my sin that put him on the cross. There's elements to it like that it, that's appropriate, but but there's also like it, that shouldn't be the entirety, the entirety of, it. of it. It it should be a you know it's, it's a thankfulness. Um, it is a um, uh, a rejoicing because because we know that that he is risen, right? We know that he has had victory over, and there should be a rejoicing because he died for my sin. Mm -hmm. Right. So so it should be both of those things, not just simply it shouldn't just simply be a party, yeah. you know, yay, we're you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't also just be a dirge. There should be yeah. parts of both of those. Yeah. Should be the evangelical church about. has has definitely sided more on the on the dirge like <laughs> aspect of yeah. it. At least in my experience. I don't know about other other uh evangelical traditions out there, but that that yeah, was my experience certainly there's evidence even in the scriptures i think in jude right um jude talks about is it jude that talks about the love feasts mm -hmm, that phrase mm -hmm. love feast and the idea is that they they actually um were, were doing it right apparently they were uh um having communion and having a a, a feast a of brotherly love together um yeah a meal together to celebrate um yeah yeah so I, there's evidence of that um happening in some place and actually even in corinthian mm -hmm. uh corinth you know they were eating enough to get to, to get filled mm -hmm. um it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a little you know <laughs> shot half a shot glass and a yeah whatever that's, um they were going to town that's kind of a microcosm of the christian life because our life is a mix of joy and mourning yeah, the, the other thing I want to just bring up that you were reminding me of there is the covenant aspect of this. Um, so in Exodus, uh, in chapter 31, I think when they, when they've received the law, they received the mm -hmm. 10 commandments and, um, he calls the Lord calls Moses, Aaron and, um, Aaron's sons, uh, to come up. So the priests and mediator to come up. Uh, partway up onto the mountain to eat a covenant meal together 
and that that covenant meal was the establishment like like it was it was the the terms of the covenant he's the, he's given the the commandments the 10 commandments and um and, and so that established the covenant with the people they ate that meal in agreement and um uh so when we eat the bread and drink the cup we're actually um uh renewing the covenant we're we're saying god is faithful that's why we're eating this because he is faithful we've been unfaithful but 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 we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but he has forgiven us um he has faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and so we're going to eat this covenant meal again to reestablish the covenant in, in saying that we are um we are trusting in his covenant promises once again every time we do it we're gonna we are trusting in his covenant promises yeah i, I think, think it's the important part the encouragement factor here is is a pretty significant thing if you're if you're sitting in a room with a lot of believers they are presumably making war on their own sin throughout the week with various levels of success and failure right they're not no nobody made it through the week sinless and sinless perfection but you also are are trusting that they are uh, progressively putting sin to death a and so i think the the lord's supper as a, an encouragement that uh he he who began a good work in you will finish it and that your account is clear you know, what does David say in Psalm 51? My sin is ever before me. He's never yeah. going to forget on, yeah. on this side of the grave. He was never going to mm -hmm. forget how he messed up huge, right? Well, if he did, his family would remind him because they Yeah, because his son was going to come in and hop in his lap and there's the reminder, right? right. So right. so it wasn't like you're not going to, we're not, we're not supposed to forget our sin and we're supposed to continue to sort of make war on it, but a part of the the function of this is to set is to encourage people that your your account is clear keep making yeah. we'll go out and make war again on your sin but your account is clear you are justified and i think there's a benefit to the people in the room who aren't believers yet yeah. So, so they can see that we're providing this assurance to believers and they could, they may be sitting there engaged in all sorts of horrendous sin and, mm -hmm. and thinking, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to, this is going to come to an end. I don't see how you're, I'm possibly ever going to stop doing X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, all these believers are right in the midst of that mess too. They're, they're, laboring to put that to death too and some weeks it's going to be a great week and other weeks it's going to be a little ugly <laughs> but their account is clear mm -hmm. they yeah. are justified they stand there uh having been clothed with the righteousness of christ even on those weeks where it wasn't a good week it was a bad <clears> week <throat> right and, and and that's good that's a benefit to everybody in the room believer or not and and hopes that they're that it's an encouragement to those people who have not yet come to repentance and faith that just approach the altar, right? Just come and surrender and uh, you'll join in here with the rest of the sinners 
who are laboring at this, <laughs> but they're going to be, but they're empowered to put it to death in a way that you're not. Yeah. You know, so I, I, it's a benefit to everybody in the room. And, and I think that's important in, in first Corinthians 10. So the chapter before he's actually talking about eating food offered to idols, but in the middle of it, he says, Paul, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, a koinonia, a fellowship or a communion in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now, he's talking about Christ, right? We serve one God, Jesus Christ. Um, but we are, we are in fellowship when we participate in these things together. There's a special fellowship when we, when we all pass the plate around, you know, the elders hand out, serve the church, and, and, and everybody takes and together we take a bite. There's a yeah. fellowship in that um, where we are together. We are saying um, uh, he is our God and we are his people. Right. That, that's a and, it, and, and for unbelievers to, to observe that, um, uh, I, I think it is a good thing. Uh, I don't want them to, to stay unbelievers. Right. We want mm -hmm. them to trust in Christ. I want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Right. I want to see that for them, too. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an important point. The, the, the fellowship that the, that's why we call it communion. It's, it's from that that uh, participation where we are all in this together with Christ. Yeah, these are all uh, really important effects of of the supper uh, on 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 those who take it. Um, I I, I want to maybe talk a little bit. Uh, so I, I do want to I want to describe and maybe explain a little bit um, why we observe um, communion the way that we do at, at RBC. And one of the first ways I want to talk about that is frequency. And usually when we when we have discussions about the Lord's Supper within, you know, the larger the church, um, a lot of times this will be the main point of contention. You know, mo most yeah. most Protestants, especially Baptists, will agree that it's an important ordinance of some sort. We might disagree, uh, especially among Baptists, about the mere memorial view versus the the spiritual presence view that we hold. But really, the main sticking point is. Um, there are a lot of a lot of churches and a lot of believers who have an issue with with observing the table uh, on a weekly basis the way that we do at RBC. So um, maybe start with Steve and go to and go to Dana. What, what's uh, what's the compelling reason in your mind for uh, why it's good and proper to observe the supper uh, every Lord's Day? Well, I think, and uh, I, I'm sure Dana is going to chime in on this too, but I, it, it seems to be the assumption that every time God's people got together, they were participating in the Lord's Supper. That seems to be the precedent set. And so sort of to look at it from the negative, what's the reason not to? Right. Like, what's the compelling reason to say, nope, only once a month or only once a quarter or twice a year or whatever? You know, I, I, I think a lot of times that comes to very 
pragmatic, logistical, oh, it takes too long, or which is sort of a weird argument because it's the <laughs> Lord's day. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and look, there's church. You don't there's want to get in that, the way of Dana's lunch. Yeah, we got other <laughs> things to do. Like football starts at one, man. So, uh, but anyway, so there's there's the, the most compelling argument i think is that in the new testament it seems as if they're doing this every time they gather together on the lord's day and considering all the things we just talked about reassuring the believers demonstrating for those who aren't believers to they uh, appealing to them to come and and taste and see that the lord is good and all those things why do you want to do that twice a year like mm -hmm. if this is a good thing to do, right? Like we read the scriptures, we pray, we sing praises, we preach, all those things are good things to do every week. Why I we don't believe that there's a particularly great argument for except this one thing, do that <laughs> once a quarter. Right. You know, I and and do this only and, so often in remembrance of me. Right. I mean there just doesn't <laughs> We don't believe that there's anything in the scriptures that makes some compelling case for whoa, 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 pump the brakes on that. What do you do? Why are you doing this? You know, is there such a thing as doing it too often? And people will make this argument that, well, it's not special anymore. Mm -hmm. We we have the position that that is a terror that that's a pretty terrible and weak argument. That if it's not special, that the the lack of it being special doesn't have to do with the frequency yeah. there's another problem but it's not that you're doing it too often 100 yeah i mean you yeah. you could have you could have people who miss a sunday regularly for whatever reason maybe health or or job or whatever valid reasons to miss church that would miss communion you know it, it could happen that they could miss it all the time mm -hmm. um and we're and we're told to do it um i think i think there's if you're going to make an argument from scripture as to frequency, I think there's two options. I don't know that there can be more than two. Uh, one is, so from 1 Corinthians, um, when Paul, and again, he's correcting them, um, but but he he's correcting the way that they're doing it, but he's acknowledging when you come together, you're doing these things. And he says mm -hmm. that like five times in that chapter, <laughs> when you come together, when you come together, when you come together. And, and so it, it, it implies that every time they come together, they're doing this. Um, so every week is what the implication is. Um, the only other option, I think, is to do it once a year on, you know, uh, Passover. <laughs> that, mm. That's when Jesus established mm. it. So if you, like, I think those are the only two options. Wow. <laughs> and that one is not compelling. No. Right? That one is not compelling at all. Um, it just, if you're if you're looking at simply you know, when was it done? Well, this is when it was established. So maybe we do it on that day. I actually think every Sunday being the Lord's day, it, like every Sunday is Easter, right? Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. So, so I think it should, so I'm not, I can't argue for the once a year thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's much more to it than that. I think communion is all wrapped up in, um, uh, Good Friday and Easter put together and the Last Supper and all, all of those things and the and the prayers for unity and, and all that happened at the Last Supper that John spends mm -hmm. four chapters, I think, describing and, and giving us Jesus's teaching on that. Um, I think those are all wrapped up in every single Lord's Day in the life of a Christian. And so I, I 
I'm personally um, convicted that we ought to do it as often as possible. Uh, John Calvin actually in Geneva um, said that he wanted to do it several times a week, but he had a, well, back then it was sort of like a city council um, yeah. who was his board, I guess, um, <laughs> that said, no, no, we're only going to do it. Because Christian you know, nationalism, so am I right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the magistrates. And uh, so they, they prevented him, but but he wanted to do it you know we need we need we need the gospel preached to us um and then and if 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 the lord's supper is a an authorized drama an authorized to put it, it, is. it <laughs> right it it is it, it is it's man baptism mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. and um then it is it is lord's uh prerogative to say do this Right, do this in remembrance of me. It's it's his prerogative to tie it to preaching, to tie it to gathered worship, not just preaching, but gathered worship. Um, so you're yeah, saying I'm, we don't just, we don't we don't need drama teams like uh, Tim Keller's ballet dancers uh, dramatizing the Bible when we have a biblical ordinance of the Lord's Supper that does it I keep, better. I keep asking you to not put that unitard on when you come to church. <laughs> Don't don't hold your breath for the RBC dance team because uh, you're going to be my ballet shoes are just yeah. molding in the corner of my room because I can't use yeah. them. On well, that's that's a shame. Yeah, yeah that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm convinced that uh, it is a best practice to do it as often as possible. Um, other faithful Christians are are not convinced of the same thing. That's okay other churches but i'm convinced that this is what we should do and i and i think our church has been blessed we started it uh in the middle of COVID. actually mm -hmm. at uh one of our one of our kids a kid at the church asked me one time um so we we started it literally while we were outside i think mm -hmm. and when we were meeting outside in 2020 and um uh, a kid was you know after like doing it three or four times in a row this girl was like, "Is that because we didn't we didn't meet for a few? Like, are we, are we catching up? Make up or making up for lost time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're just doing this now. Yeah, it yeah. it has been really good, and I've gotten a lot of good testimonials from people um, at church who really um, have appreciated the the weekly frequency and haven't tired out and found it less special." And this goes yeah. back to something you said, Steve, if, if, if observing it every week makes it not special for you, we've got a much deeper problem. Um, and I've told people before when, when I've had discussions about uh, proper frequency of observing the table said, you know, if it's less, it won't feel less special if it's treated properly. Um, uh, the way that we fence the table, um, the, um, you know, so uh, every time it, and this will bleed a little bit into more aspects of of how we observe the table but uh but Dana every every week you give a a presentation um before the elements first go out um not only reminding people what this ordinance is reading from 1 Corinthians 11 um but also a warning to those who have not yet trusted in Christ let the let the plates go by uh which um, it is important because we don't want people eating and drinking to their own destruction, as as it yeah. says. 
so, yeah. so we call that fencing the table in in theological language. Uh, but then but then we do pass the elements. Um, and so and if you a, if you I... treat the things of God with reverence and you you are it's it's noticeable from you that you value them highly, want to see them used properly to the honor of God, it will be special. It will be worship because it's being it's being set forth in a worshipful manner. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to interrupt you right there. <laughs> I, I was told this week, actually, that I should interrupt you more on the podcast. So Me? Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, that doesn't sound right. What? <laughs> I need to talk to whoever that was. Who is that? <laughs> I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you, but I'm sure she will. Um, <laughs> uh, th there's a... There's an important aspect of it as well that we should mention, and that is that you just mentioned it, Lee, but I want to reemphasize this. Um, the idea of examine yourselves, um, Paul says in another place, you know, examine yourselves to see that you're in the faith, right? And that passage um, of the warnings uh, for those who are not regenerate. Um, and, and the warnings of this is why some of you are, are sick and, and some have died, right? Like God, God punishes us sometimes with health problems because of our sin. Not always, but sometimes. And um, so there's warnings there that we should not partake. We should not participate in an unworthy manner. And, and that participation is for unbelieving right we're either mm -hmm. so in matthew chapter 18 when jesus is talking and he gives the 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 sort of the steps of church discipline the final one he says um treat them uh, after you've told the church treat them like a like a gentile or a tax collector am i a pagan or tax collector and that's somebody who is either outside of god's covenant people or they're like tax collectors were Jews, but they were hurting God's people. They were stealing from them and and, uh, and for their own advantage and working with Rome. So they were hurting God's people. And so that's the, the point of church discipline. And what we're saying in, in that examine yourself part is if you're an unbeliever or you're living in unrepentant sin and you're and you're acting like an unbeliever, um, you should not eat. You, you, you will be eating and drinking judgment on yourself. And, and some of that, so, so every week, um, we ought to be examining ourselves to see whether we're in the faith, not, mm. not that we don't have assurance, but are we acting like Christians? Um, am I living a repentant life? Um, yeah. you know, all of life is, is of repentance, right? And so am I acting and am I living in a repentant life, even when nobody knows, you know, and I think that's an important point to that, that examination, self-examination, um, uh, that we should take this seriously because there are, there are serious, there could potentially be very serious consequences, um, so this week I'm going to be preaching in Leviticus uh, 26 on the on the curses for disobedience. So blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And one of the things that stands out as I've been studying it this week is um, in Leviticus, when we get to the point of curses for disobedience, it's not for the little tiny sins or it. Um, like God, God provided a whole sacrificial system for, with, including a Day of Atonement 
for those who live in repentance, yeah. right? The, who are who who sin and fall short of the glory of God, but then seek his forgiveness and to seek that restoration. The 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 curses for disobedience are for, and there are stages actually of them that get worse over time. But the the curses for disobedience are for those who refuse to repent. You know, they've they've rejected God. They've they're they're either outside of God's covenant people or they're hurting God's covenant people, hurting the church. Hurt, you know, it could be their wife, it could be their, you know, their family, they're they're committing adultery or whatever it is, right? They're hurting God's people. Um those curses for disobedience, um, you know, that's not just every little, it's not just like we had an argument last week and so therefore I can't come to the table. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because people do that. People say that sometimes. Right. Yeah. I, and I grew up in a tradition that said that often and, and it left people like, oh, no, you know, that morning. I should like, never take it. Right. I can't take yeah. it this morning. Um, uh, you know, there is no condemnation. We're going we sin. We don't even know that we sin. But are we living in a life that is. In repentance, right, where we're where we're striving to um to to build up god's people mm -hmm. striving to you know to be good husbands to love our wives you know those types of things um and so that's the that like that examining yourself is not search for every little sin you did and, and have a checklist it's a it's a am i living in repentance or am i am i lying to everybody around me and um uh, you know, hiding my sin or, or maybe not even hiding it, but I just want to go and take anyway, because I'm just going to drink this little I'm going to be part of the club. <laughs> right. I think that uh, what, one of the things that's helpful with this uh, activity that we participate in it's and it's an active thing where you know everyone in the room as who is a believer is doing something is that it is in some ways a looking forward to eternity where there's mm -hmm. no you know if i, I came here because my parents made me i don't believe this you know <laughs> the, the importance right. of fencing the table is to say well then you shouldn't come and eat or drink yeah because in your current state right now you won't be at the marriage supper of the lamb. Yeah. There, there you know, yeah. there, and, and there's, that's it. There's no sort of half measure. There's no purgatory. We talked about that before. Yeah. There's no second chance there. There are those who can come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. And those who do not, and yeah. that's it. And so you yeah. need to work out your salvation with some fear and trembling. Maybe you are intellectually convinced, but not particularly surrendered you know um there are those who can quote all the scriptures they grew up with this their their parents uh you know brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord and they get all that and this is probably true but i'm not i'm not a worshiper well then <laughs> this isn't for you you have no seat you've got statement. business to deal to do and you got to figure out what you're going to hold most precious and until then, you're not invited to this right. mm -hmm. supper. And that's a good, that's actually, I think, a helpful thing for, for those people. It's a very clear, some people are partaking and some people are not. Right. That, but that's how eternity is going to work. Or, or yeah. like, yeah, or like the parable, some have a wedding garment and some don't. Right. The ones that don't <laughs> right. have the wedding garment are sent right. out to the outer darkness. There, there's never a middle road. 
There's never an easy middle road, right? That just yeah. isn't. There's no third way. Not, there's no third way. Oh, there's none of that. No. Yeah. That's and people don't like that. I I right. get it, you know, but that is the reality. But that's actually yep. good news. There's no squirreling your way out of or into it. There's sheep right. and there's goats. Yes. Right. There's right. you have a seat at the table or you're disinvited or you or, or you're outside trying you're to locked in. out. Yeah. yeah. There's yep. no foyer for you to stand in, you know. Um, well, I, I should I use the term locked out. I need to clarify that. Nobody is broken about their sin and desperately loves Jesus and is left pounding on the door asking <laughs> to be there. It's not right. heaven's not a nightclub. That's really yeah. exclusive and you really <laughs> want to be in there, but you just can't like, you don't know the right people. That's you can't afford so, to bribe the bouncer. Yeah. When I, I said, I <laughs> used that term. And heart. then as soon as I heard it, I thought, well, hang on a second. That, that, that's <laughs> the, probably the, the not, people who that's are probably outside, not a good term for that. Yeah. The people yeah. who are outside are the ones that want to be outside. They want nothing right. to do with that right. table. Right. They don't right. want Jesus. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want Jesus. They don't want to go to his marriage supper. They don't want to be part of his bride. They hate right. him. They're cosmic right. traitors. Right. Yeah. Um, right. There's no again, no middle ground there. Yeah. You love him, you love Christ or you hate him. And you only love Christ because he changed your heart, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. took out the heart of stone and made a heart of flesh. It's not your own work that made you love Christ. It was his yeah. work that made you to love him. Yeah. Um, this sounds like a we're headed for another. This is a good subject for another podcast. Actually, yes. we could camp out indeed. on this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but again, I think it reinforces the importance of this ordinance. Is that it's interconnected with so much, not only doctrine, um, but it, it, it's connected and has ramifications for core elements of gospel ministry. And I think again that that um, that it, it comes back to. Uh, the issue of frequency as well. We have to be reminded of the gospel so often. We're very forgetful. It only makes sense that we need to be reminded even in this tangible way so that we can not only hear and understand, but also hear and, and touch and taste uh, the grace of God. Amen. Any yeah. other thoughts on that before we retire to the library ladder? <laughs> We're not all going to fit on your library ladder. This, I can this see one it. right behind me. <laughs> you first. I'm short, so I'm afraid of heights. So I'll have to take the lower rung. Oh. That one right there. Okay. Uh, Steve, any recommendations? Yeah, I've got one today. Now, unfortunately, my book doesn't have the original jacket. So it just looks like an orange book. But <laughs> I don't know if you can read that or not. But uh, it's Family Driven Faith by Vody Bauckham. Great book. If you are, it's a great book for everybody, but in particular, if you're a young family, um, if you are just, uh, uh, you, you know, thinking about getting married or newlyweds, or you're you're about to uh, have children, and you you want some guidance on what does uh, what what does worship look like in the home? What does living out my faith? in my house, not, and we're not talking necessarily about Sunday morning at church. What does that look like? A lot of us didn't have any sort of, uh, regular family worship. Like everybody grab your Bible, sit down, family worship kind of thing. And it could look like that. It could look different, but it's a great place to start. If you 
want to know, you know, how should I do this? Especially, let's say a a, a new husband. What's it going to look like in my house? This falls on me. It's for me to lead. And you have tremendous influence on what your faith is going to look like in your house. This is a great book for that. Excellent. Very yeah. good. Dana, recommendations from you. Mine, I'm just going with the one I re referenced today. The Lord's <sighs> Supper as a Means of Grace, More Than a Memory by Richard Barcellos. Uh, anything by him is great. Actually, he's written a few books, um, but this is a, a really simple read that just goes through the Lord's Supper. It's great. Very good. Uh, I have I've got two recommendations uh, in a similar vein as well. Um, I'm not going to try to hold them up because that never seems to work for me and my you disappear my amazing <laughs> library disappearing library. Um, the first is a book I, I just read this year called Amidst Us, Our Beloved Stands. It's a work of uh, theological history um, written by uh, by Haken, so a, a Baptist author, um, mm -hmm. and it's specifically a, a very short. It's a, it's a brief book, uh, but really good historical survey through um, 17th century Baptist thought on, on both baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, but the Lord's Supper chapters are are very very interesting uh, from a historical standpoint um and then another another one uh, and this one you can get through ligonier is uh, the lord's supper by keith a matheson uh, mm. also does a great job talking about uh, the ordinance and and of course he's a he's a presbyterian um so you know a, a, a good resource um but i do i do love barcelos as well so um yeah. but they we would certainly agree with presbyterians on on the lord's supper so and the good right. ones the good presbyterians the good yeah <laughs> the good presbyterians yeah <laughs> i mean how many times can we quote rc sproul before people start uh <laughs> wondering about us <laughs> well thank you gentlemen as always it's a it's a pleasure talking about the things of god with you it is yes uh, despite how late of an evening it is that's right Bless us home, Lee. Bless I us will. to bed. Yes. Wonderful. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.